May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The text for the message is the gospel reading, we pray. Dear Jesus, you bring us life. You give us eternal life and your presence in this life. Help us to know and trust in you all our days. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. It was NBA Hall of Fame coach Pat Riley who popularized the term, the disease of more. Uh, he noted that many championship pro teams, NFL, uh, baseball, basketball, and hockey, they, they don't repeat. The main factor is that the team is defeated from within, not from without. You see, the players want more. At first, the more is winning the championship, but once players have the championship, it is no longer enough. The more becomes other things, more money, more TV commercials, more endorsements and accolades, more playing time, more plays called for them, more media attention. You get the idea. As a result, what was once a cohesive group of hard-working men begins to fray. Egos get involved, Gatorade bottles are thrown, and the mental attitude of the team changes, and their perfect chemistry becomes something that's toxic. Players feel entitled to ignore the small routine tasks that actually win the championships, believing that they've earned the right to not do it anymore. Then what was the most talented team ends up failing. What they didn't realize is what they were trading off. They were no longer able to focus on the nitty-gritty of basketball, and as a team they suffered. Ultimately, they were dethroned, not by other better teams, but by forces from within themselves. The disease of more. That's an interesting phrase. Well, that disease of more is visible and active in our COVID-19 days, isn't it? From flooding stores to buy hand sanitizers or tissues or even toilet paper, or just the general craziness of pushing past others to make sure that you're first to get your supplies. I saw a photo at the end of this week on Facebook to show this older woman in front of empty shelves as she searched for her own supplies and she was crying. Just like those athletes, we're frantically running around and pushing people out of the way because we are sure that we are right. There's almost a smugness to it, isn't there? It's like in school. If you were the teacher's pet, you could do no wrong, right? Maybe that person was you. If not, you know who that person was. It was that boy or girl who knew all the answers, who got all the best grades, who could do no wrong. And, and even if that special student was in the wrong, they, they never got in trouble for it. Maybe, even as adults, you have seen the same thing at work. Right? The one particular employee who gets all the best assignments even if they're not especially talented and certainly not as talented as you, it's the employee who could rob the place and the boss would turn a blind eye to it. We never quite get over those teacher's pets. 
In the gospel reading today, James and John are they're acting like that, uh, the, the teacher's pet. They seem to think that they deserve some kind of special treatment, or so they imagine. Uh, just listen to the demand they make of Jesus, the, the Son of God. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. It seems that they did not recall Jesus' earlier lessons about humble service, but they had no trouble remembering the lesson on confident prayer. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Pretty humble, huh? They were certain that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and they were confident that he will reign in glory over Israel. So James and John asked for places of honor in his kingdom. They want to be seated at Jesus' side, reigning beside the king in his right and left, right next to the throne. Now, Jesus does not grant their request, but he has a brief quiz for them. It seems there is a job requirement for such exalted positions. Jesus says, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Jesus will soon drink, drink, uh, drink that terrible cup, a cup of agony and death. He, he will be baptized, drowned in a fiery river of suffering. The disciples respond, well, yes, they, they're able to share the baptism and the cup. And, and Jesus tells them they will, they will do that in the years to come. Uh, those two disciples will share their Lord with their Lord the cup of suffering. They endure the earliest acts of persecution of Jesus' followers. Uh, James will be murdered by King Herod. John will be the only disciple to escape martyrdom, exiled to the island of Patmos because of his faith. Though they will suffer for their faith, Jesus does not grant their request. Only the Heavenly Father can grant those places of honor in the throne room of heaven. Now, as you can imagine, the other disciples are pretty angry about the request of James and John. They don't want any teacher's pets within their ranks, but, but it's not the first time the disciples had argued about who is the greatest, right? And it seems like that was on all their minds. The other disciples were probably angry that they didn't ask Jesus first. So, it's time. It's time for another lesson from the teacher. It's a lesson in humble service. With Jesus himself as the object lesson, the illustration. He says that the Gentile believers like to lord it over uh, each other. And Jesus said they like to throw their authority around. But it must not be like that among the children of God, he said, among the followers of Jesus. If you want to be great, Jesus said, be the servant. If you want to be first, you must be the slave of others. We know that that is not how the world works, but it is how things are done in the kingdom of God. There are no teacher's pets here, only servants. Servants. That is how we are to live, humbly seeking ways to serve and to help each other, just as Jesus came to help and serve us. So what would it look like to put others first ahead of yourself? What would it look like to put others first in your family? 
what it would look like to put others first among your friends? What, it would look, what would it look like to put others first in your workplace? What would it look like to put others first in this congregation? What would it look like to think of what is good for others instead of what is good for yourself? Well, those are tough questions. Those are, those are personal questions and sometimes unsettling questions. My friends, we're called to follow in the footsteps of our humble King. Jesus is God in the flesh, the one for whom and by whom the universe was created. Yet even the ruler of all things did not come among us to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, on the cross, Jesus would drink a, a, a terrible cup of suffering. He would drink the cup of God's wrath against human sin. The prophet Isaiah calls it the bowl of God's wrath, the cup of staggering. Yet God also promises through his prophet that his people will not have to drink it. He will take the cup of wrath from their hands. He will give that cup to his own son. In Gethsemane, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus prayed and pleaded with his father in that distress, sweat falling to the ground like great drops of blood as he begged, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus came to serve. He came to put our good ahead of his own. In humble obedience, he submitted to his Father's will. He drank the full cup of God's anger against our sin, against the sins of the world. He drained that cup of wrath to the last drop, so there would be nothing left in it for us to drink. Jesus did all that to show us true servanthood, to show us what it means to serve one another in love and care. We are in week two of this craziness around this virus in our world. And service and servanthood are what we need more than ever in these days. In our communications and information on our website, it's our prayer that you use this to strengthen your faith and be in God's word. But we also want you to share this with your friends who are cut off from others. You see, they need to know that God loves them too. They need to know that God is with them in the midst of this crisis. Be that loving servant of Jesus. Share with them his love and mercy and grace. Jesus took hold of this cup of God's wrath for you and me. But Jesus, our servant king, does offer us a cup to drink. It's not a cup of suffering. It's not the cup of wrath. It is the cup of salvation, the cup of wine that is his blood with the bread that is his body. I pray that we can offer this on our public gathering soon. This is a part of worship together that I miss greatly. And I miss seeing your faces too in person. His cup is a cup that nourishes our faith for a life of service. 
for a life of putting the good of others ahead of our own good. It's a cup that nourishes our faith for eternal life. Jesus said, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus offers us a cup, not the cup of wrath, not the cup of staggering, as Isaiah said, but it is a cup of life. So drink up and share that blessing with others. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.